0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, Four o'clock kickoff today at Husky Stadium. Looks like the weather's not going to be great, so bundle up, hunker down, and... uh, I still haven't got word whether they're going to do half price concessions or not before the game. I'll get word on that and get it out to you guys here pretty quick. So um, I've almost forgotten there's a football game on Saturday with all the turmoil going or going around the program. Scott, does this feel a little bit weird?
1: Yeah, it does. Um, I, I don't want to equate it to the Tyrone situation of 2008 because I don't think Washington is in as bad a state as what. It was when this that happened, but um, it feels like it because Tyrone Willingham was fired and then he got to coach the last month of the season. Jimmy Lake hasn't nothing official has come out, but, you know, there's rumors all over the place about what's going on behind the scenes and everything. And just it it feels very up in the air. And I really do feel bad for these kids, especially the ones who came back for a year when Jackson uh, Kirkland and Kate Otten could have gone to the league early um, and they they didn't they wanted to come back and and do some stuff this year and Luke Wattenberg his senior season several other guys their senior season guys who transferred in you just got to feel bad for them because no one I, I don't think anybody saw this season going the way it has
0: and Chris Washington may be a mess right now but Arizona State's got their own issues too so this could be kind of an interesting game with uh you know like the oddness of the watch Washington situation and I'm still shocked that Herman Edwards is on the sidelines.
2: Well, I suppose, yeah. And and we spoke with Chris Cartman, the uh, you know from um, Sun Devil Source, the the ASU site for 24 seven. And we do a, a content swap every year uh, in terms of trying to get to know each other's teams a little bit better. And I asked him basically, you know, how much the the potential sanctions have impacted the season and and you know he said it definitely impacted recruiting big time so you know down the road you may see some real impacts but in terms of what's happening in the here and now it just feels like everything's kind of in a delay for Arizona state a little bit in terms you know it's like the it's like a credit card season you know they're paying up they're paying into it but it's like little bit little bit here little bit there little and then they're really going to hit you know the ceiling when the when the full balance comes due uh, after the end so um yeah, it's it's going to be interesting because they've been able to replace some of the coaches that were um, that were put on administrative leave, um, and 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 you know they were able to replace them with more experienced guys. So um, you know that was the situation where maybe Washington, considering what they're dealing with now, could have maybe gone a little bit more in that route as well. Um, but you know, timing being what it is, it's just kind yeah. of a weird thing. But yeah, Arizona State, if you look on the field. More often than not, they've been really, really solid. I mean, they've had some hit and miss games. The one against Washington State in Arizona was was obviously a very uh, big misstep for them in terms of their you know their path towards trying to get into the Pac-12 title game. But um, the last couple, you know, the game against USC, for instance, last week, 200 yard rusher, you know, what have you? Jaden Daniels looking really good. Their defense really looking good against USC. So. You know, Washington's certainly going to have their hands, uh, uh, you know, cut out for them today.
0: Hey, Scott, am I I off base? But the crux of the Arizona State situation is they couldn't play games because of COVID, yet they were paying for recruits to come on campus during that time.
1: Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know if they were paying for recruits to come on campus. That might have happened. But what I know is they were hosting recruits, which was completely illegal. No schools were allowed to have recruits on campus. They were hosting them and um a lot of that was led by antonio pierce and yeah. so, so they weren't playing
0: because of covid
2: yeah
1: but
0: they were had guys on campus
2: i know hey recruit recruiting never sleeps guys recruiting yeah. never sleeps
0: yeah and like i said i i'm just shocked that people still have their jobs down there but um You know, this whole uh, situation with Jimmy Lake being suspended on Sunday, the uh, suspension ends on Sunday, and I'm fully expecting things to come down on Sunday. And uh, I think we've seen the last of Jimmy Lake.
2: Yeah, I think it's, it's, yeah, Monday, Sunday or Monday. I mean, you know, they may, you know, they may put out a statement on Sunday. You know, hard to say. Um, obviously both those days that that 48 hour span is going to be intense Um, because because they really have just two options at this point they have an option to to basically have a a a parting of the ways you know a settlement and that kind of thing or they're going to allow him to try to stay on for the last two weeks of the season and and see if he can rebuild and and reset much like Mike Hopkins has had the chance to rebuild and reset and if that happens, if if, if it's the latter, um, <laughs> our message boards are going to absolutely implode uh, because it just feels like there have been so many missteps because it's just not the culmination of this of this incident with with Rocky Fulva, which I really feel bad for him. I mean, I just he doesn't sound like he's a real you know, outgoing guy, he's kind of keeping to himself, he's just kind of nose to the grindstone, getting the job done, you know, a walk-on kid from O'Day, a kid you want to root for really hard, and he's been thrust yep. into a situation that no one would want him to be in. Um, and, you know, a lot of people, I guess, in you know, if, if they look back, you know, five, 10 years from now, he's going to be the guy that's going to be like the straw that broke the camel uh, camel's back for Jimmy Lake. And, and it's no. not, I don't feel like that's going to be fair to him because no, Jim, there, Jimmy, Jimmy Lake so is mistakes. the
0: straw. Jimmy Lake is the straw that broke Jimmy Lake's back. Yeah. You there's know. so,
2: there's so many missteps, you know, even starting with, with Montana and going all the way through the season. It just has, has just been one kind of, you know, thing that has just built upon itself. And it hasn't been like monstrous things, But then when you when you end up having to fire your offensive coordinator, uh, you know, nine games into the season and it probably was a couple of weeks late that's bad. I mean, that's really bad. And it's a direct reflection on him because he was the one that handpicked John Donovan. He was the one that handpicked that type of offense. And it really has been an absolute catastrophe. So he's going to have to wear that whether he comes back for the last couple of games or not. But I, I agree with you, Kim. I think the writings are on the wall. I think it's, I think he's done. Scott, do you think you're ever going to see Jimmy Lake on the
0: sidelines again at Washington?
1: Uh, Maybe coaching against him. But no, I, I, I don't, I don't foresee it. Um, and it's sad because I like Jimmy. I think he's, uh, I think overall he's a pretty good guy. You know, that his ego probably got a little, little bigger than it needed to be and everything like that. But I don't think he's a bad, I think he's a very good coach. And I think he's, you know, position coach. And I think he's a good person. And I think he does care about the players, but I think, this was too much for him too soon. and it's sad because I think down the line he could be a really, really good head coach. but uh, this is definitely gonna uh, would you say this is probably his first smudge mark on his on his resume at this point because everything else has been him just accelerating himself.
0: Well, if you're just looking at the big picture, you can say him not succeeding here is the uh, is a smudge mark. but you know, it's just when a coach let gets let go. It's never one thing. It's the culmination that leads up to the last thing. And there's been a lot of missteps by Jimmy Lake along the way. Um, He hasn't built a lot of equity over the past year and a half. And I think that's a big part of the issue. The John Donovan hire, you know, when, you know, we'd heard that, you know, it was a pretty um, sought after job and he wanted a guy that wanted to run the offense that Jimmy wanted to run the comments about Oregon, which I didn't think were that bad, but then not only the uh, event with Fuavai, but his failure to, uh, be accountable for that. I think that was actually the straw that broke the camel's back. And that's on Jimmy, you know, when you're not taking any accountability. And I've said this numerous times, I was right behind the bench when that event happened. I was right there. And then watching it in slow motion on TV. And Jimmy wants to say that he was separating, you know, players to stop an incident. That sure is not what I saw because I didn't see any coaching, anything like that at all. I saw a coach that just lost his mind and his emotions and anger got a, a, a hold of him. And he just went nuts and he was pissed. There was nothing about coaching going on at that moment. That was him just losing control and then not taking accountability for that. I think that's what really not only got to Jen Cohen, but Anna Marie Cossé, you know, and the board, uh, the board up above who actually make all the decisions. I think that was probably the final straw, but there was a lot of stuff that led up to that. So, um, I think we've seen the last of Jimmy, like I'd be absolutely stunned if uh, we see him again. And, you know, I I guess we start the Bob Gregory, you know, uh, regime or, uh, you know, the tour of Bob Gregory starting uh, starting this afternoon. What do you how do you think Bob's going to do, by the way? I
1: you know, I I know a lot of the players uh, respect him and his football knowledge and, and what he does. Um, and a a lot of the parents have talked to us about how, you know, sometimes they, they're not big on his personality, but the guy knows football, the guy knows how to coach, he gets his guys ready and, and all those things. I think maybe he might be a better fit as a CEO who knows, but, um, you know, this, he knows this is a short term gig for him. He knows it's three weeks and possibly a fourth if they for somehow get into a, um, bowl game but um you know i i'm more interested in not necessarily in what bob uh bob gregory is going to do but what J- junior adams is going to do you know what what's it going to look like because he's been a play caller before and it was too much for him at western uh kentucky and he's he was had those those duties stripped from him is that going to happen here i mean it's only 3 games possibly a fourth and um you know i I don't know. (laughs) Everything is just so up in the air. I don't have any concrete answers or really any strong thoughts on which way it's going to go.
0: You know, Chris, a lot of people, you know, this is one of my pet peeves. Everybody talks about play calling, which I think is incredibly overrated. And what an offensive coordinator does, I think you know uh, offensive synchronizator would be better because he's got to synchronize the offense and you know you can call a play but you've got to be able to execute that play and that all comes down to practice and the execution and being able to be in the right place at the right time and if all of that is off it doesn't matter what play you're calling but um, you know that's why I think practice is going to be so interesting this week because you're down two coaches, you're down a head coach and you're down an offensive coordinator and you've had to elevate two guys who've never really coached on the field before. So, how much is that going to take away from what's going to happen today?
2: Yeah, and and also the just the mechanics of how the how the game is going to be called today, like you know, is he going to be on the sidelines or is he going to be up in the booth? I mean, when we talked to them on Tuesday, they they had no idea. They hadn't even gotten that far. In terms of figuring that stuff out, I think that's all, you know, kind of almost probably, you know, they may have been figuring that out on Thursday or Friday uh, as to what would work best. But, yeah, you know, you talk about Peyton McCollum being promoted to the quarterbacks coach, which I know everyone's going to joke and say that, you know, it's it's probably, you know, at worst, uh, a dead even uh, split from from Donovan because they didn't you know, they didn't really see Donovan as a quarterbacks coach. Uh, and then Eric Schwanz is apparently going to help um, uh, Bob Gregory on defense uh, to help him out. But, yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting. I really do feel that because of the short notice of all this stuff, there's probably going to be a greater segregation between offense and defense. I think it's Bob Gregory looking at Junior Adams and saying, you got the keys. Go drive the car. I, I have nothing to do with it. I'll make some of the bigger calls, but we were even asking them on on Tuesday if it's fourth and whatever, who's going to make the call to go for it or punt. And they didn't know. So this is you know, I think Junior more, kind of pointed at Bob. Well, correct. And Bob pointed at Junior. And so it's, yeah. it's like, go go figure. But I, I think Gregory's gonna pretty much give the keys to Junior and let him go to work and see what he can do because at this point it's a free roll. And and Scott, I'll answer your question to a certain extent because if if we're all on on the same Uh, all on board with believing that Lake's going to get fired tomorrow. um, You know, they're going to lose their jobs. They're absolutely going to lose their jobs, but they're going to have Colorado and and Washington state to finish the season. If they can win some of these games, potentially get to a bowl game, which is massive because they have to be able to get those extra practices to do those types of things. And it gives obviously um jen cohen even more opportunities and more time to um you know make sure that they vet things through their coaching search and all the other stuff that's going to come with that so it's just it's it's just weird though on offense i mean junior adams is it easy to say that because he's the receivers coach he's going to want to get the ball to the receivers maybe but uh, it will be interesting for ASU. I mean, ASU has a really, really good defense, guys, and they like to stick to their base 4-3 defense no matter what. So how is Junior Adams going to attack that? He That wasn't really his responsibility until like four or five days ago. I'll be very curious to find out how he does it.
0: And, Scott, let's just say the offense and defensive playbook on a normal game would be 100 pages long going into the Arizona State game. How big is that playbook going to be today? I mean, do they shrink it?
1: Well, you said you didn't want to talk about a certain aspect until you brought it up. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it depends on who is quarterback. I really do. Yeah. I do think it's going to depend on who is the quarterback.
0: Well, let's go ahead and go there. Rumors of Sam Hewitt splitting reps with the first team.
1: Yeah. Just, I mean. Your,
0: your thoughts when you saw that.
1: When I saw it is, it doesn't surprise me, but I. I don't know. My know. first thoughts. What?
0: Why the hell did he play Sam Heward five snaps and have him handed off five times down at Arizona?
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> it was first... six snaps and five. He
2: threw a couple passes.
1: Yeah, he threw one that I remember. One. But anyway, it, it neither here nor there. I mean, I, I think if Sam Heward's the quarterback, um, things are going to be a little bit scaled back because maybe he doesn't have the whole playbook quite yet. I mean, Sam's a smart kid. Maybe he does. But maybe he doesn't execute it as (laughs) I know that Dylan Morris hasn't been executing things very well either, but maybe in practice, Dylan executed things well. And then when it comes to the games, things don't happen that way. But is Sam going to be able to handle the whole playbook? I think a lot is going to depend on where he's at and his knowledge of the system, how he reads the defense that that Arizona State's going to throw at him. They're going to blitz the hell out of him. You got to believe that's going to happen later tonight. Um, I think they're going to blitz both uh, Dylan and Sam, whoever's in there at quarterback, because that's what they like to do. And um, yeah, I, I, I think a lot of it is going to depend on what they feel comfortable with giving Sam. I think do that's a think, big thing. Chris, do you think we see Sam here today?
2: I, why not? I mean, seriously. <laughs> and, and, and the bottom line is, is was Jimmy Lake telling the truth when he said he was going to give him some reps before, uh, Morris had to come out for the bloody nose or whatever early in the Arizona game.
0: One series he said was the plan, one series, but that's not what we heard.
2: Well, you're right. So, so it's, it's, was he, was he, you know, was he just giving people what they, you know, what he thought they wanted to hear or was that legitimately in the works? I think obviously we'll find out today whether or not, um, that was a situation where maybe the rest of the offensive staff wanted to see what Sam could do. And maybe Jimmy was just vetoing it throughout the whole process. Who knows? I mean, we it's we're left to our imagination as to what, you know, what kind of scenarios would have unfolded. Um, But I was, to be honest, I was surprised given what Jimmy had said during the Arizona week. And, you know, and then even leading into Stanford, we were kind of led to believe that why wouldn't Sam Hewer get at least one series just to see, as a, as a as a you know kind of as a change up as something new. It wasn't as if it wasn't as if the offense all of a sudden found something magical and were just rolling the ball up and down the field. They weren't doing anything of the sort. So I really didn't understand why Lake would go there and say those things about Heward if he didn't truly believe that he was going to give him an opportunity. So it's it's just kind of one of those, again, one of those questions that's going to probably left be left unanswered um, with the bigger news that, uh, that he's not going to be around anymore. So we'll see what happens.
0: And Scott, the other thing is, you know, Sam Heard known to throw the football. That's what he wants to do, but the weather's going to have an impact on that. I mean, yeah, yep. <laughs> for those out of town, we're in the middle of a monsoon up here right now. And it yeah, well, they call it like the a...
1: atmospheric river is what they're calling it. It's basically a pineapple express coming up from, uh, Hawaii.
0: How's that going to impact, you know, the football game today? Oh, I think it's going
1: be a huge impact. I think it'll be a huge impact. Uh, you know, the rain isn't – every quarterback will tell you the rain isn't what's hard. It's the wind. Yeah. And, and you know, like it's like what Junior Adams uh, said on, on Monday afternoon when we talked to him that, you know, these kids are used to playing with wet balls. We dunk the balls in water, and then they play with wet balls. So, you know <laughs> – Cam, really? (laughs) Really? I couldn't help it. (laughs) Jeez. All right. Anyway, well, the the uh but they're they're used to playing with wet footballs. And you know, they I, I don't think it's gonna be the rain that's the issue. If it's relatively calm from a wind standpoint, I don't think any of Washington's offense goes out the window. But if it's if it's blowing 10 15 miles an hour you're not going to see them throw the ball around and you, you won't see Arizona state do that either.
0: Chris, when was the last time it rained in Husky stadium without wind? I good question. I
2: mean, if, it, <laughs> if it, you wouldn't really, cons- at least up in Seattle here, you wouldn't, you wouldn't class it as rain. You just class it as drizzle. You know, it just, it just would be socked in and it would just be kind of a miserable, misty drizzle all game. If it's actually raining, raining that, typically implies that there's there's wind involved and there's and there's fronts moving through so yeah good question i don't know
0: yeah that walk from heck ed to my car last night you know and we weren't in that misty rain it was the hard rain with the wind and not fun so um it'll be interesting I, i think they're gonna i think both teams are gonna try to pound the ball so uh we'll see what happens but you know let's talk about you know if uh Is it worth playing Sam Heward? He's played two games so far. He can play in two more and there's three games left. Do you burn the guy's red shirt or not?
1: Play him. He won't be here if he's as good as everybody thinks he's going to be.
2: Yeah. Well, if he gives them the best chance to win, why wouldn't you play him? That's what their job is.
1: And that's the other point. There you go.
0: Yeah. No, I I think it's going to be real interesting to keep an eye on on that. And then, um, you know, this offense has struggled. I mean, there's no doubt about it, you know, and um, I I don't know how much of it to put on uh, Dylan Morris. Uh, the offensive line sure hasn't done the job, but, you know, what do they really, you know, Scott, what, are they, what do you think they really need to do to get this offense kick started?
1: It's got to come from the offensive line. I mean, everything starts with the offensive line. If they're handling blitzes, if they're blocking better for the run, Dylan Morris isn't, isn't Panicky. I think his foot works better and maybe he doesn't regress as much, you know, Dylan Morris still has to be able to elevate the team. And that's one of the comments that I made in my postgame grades on Sunday after the Oregon game was that I didn't think everything was Dylan Morris's fault. But the one his biggest uh, negative so far has been that he's not elevating the team. He's not taking them to another level. And that's what you need from a quarterback, especially when the team is struggling. I mean, look, I'm not comparing Dylan Morris to Tom Brady, but they play the same position. When when Tom Brady was down to a, basically a bunch of uh, you know free undrafted free agents that he had on his team, Tom Brady still threw for 4,600 yards in like 35 touchdowns. Okay, Tom Brady is a Hall of Famer, probably, arguably the greatest quarterback of all time, and I get that. But the quarterback's job is to take what he has. And get the ball out to the playmakers and get it into the positions where guys can can make plays. Dylan Morris is not doing that. He's very limited. I don't know if it's a confidence problem. I don't know if it's a physical problem or a mental problem. Whatever it is, he's not doing it. We need to see if Sam Heward is going to be that guy. Because next year cannot follow up with a – if Washington go, doesn't go bowling this year, they cannot – They absolutely cannot do that next year. They can't go into the season with Dylan Morris and see the same things happen. We have to see progress at the quarterback position and along the offensive line. And right now, both of those positions are playing the worst of the position groups on at least the offense, if not the whole team.
0: Chris, you've spent a lot of time around quarterback coaches and just football guys and been to a lot of football camps. and. You know, Dylan Morris isn't the biggest guy out there. But the thing that I I wonder about Dylan is being six foot, not the biggest of guys. You know, people say, well, you can be a short quarterback and it's not that big of an issue like Russell Wilson. But the thing of it is, Russell Wilson's release point is really high. He throws it really high. Dylan Morris isn't a very big guy. And when you take a look at his throwing motion, he is dropping down. Um, I mean, the ball is not above his head more often than not. He's throwing a lot just about even with his ear, you know, a lot of sidearm throws. And when you talk about windows to throw the football, I'm not sure he's seeing a lot because he can't find those windows because of his delivery and just not having that high release. How much do you think that impacts with what he's doing?
2: I don't honestly think it's been uh, – I'm not saying it's overblown. I, I just don't think it's been as big of an issue as maybe you might think. Yeah, he might get like one one or two balls batted down a game perhaps. But to be honest, that you know, to me, Dylan Morris has always been a confidence player and has always been a, a guy that needs to get into a rhythm to really kind of show his best self. So I think that's part of the reason why I think they've gone up-tempo at times. To kind of get him some quick passes to get him off to a to a decent start so but in terms of the the height thing and all that i mean i think all guys whether you're talking about him or russell wilson or any you know um any guy even a kyler murray who's so quick enough to to create his own windows and stuff they're going to have issues every once in a while with with guys that are six five coming in their face it's just the way it is i i just think that um you know, I think the way that he was trained under Donovan uh, was to just try to get rid of the ball as quickly as possible and really try to focus on his first read no matter what so that those types of things in terms of the rush, in terms of the length of the defense and what have you, just wouldn't come into consideration. And I think that's that's what he's dealt with for, for better or for worse. And um, I think that's just the way he's going to be for the, at least for the rest of this season. Scott,
0: the strength of Washington's defense has obviously been their past defense, but they're not getting a lot of opportunities because pretty much teams have been running all over Washington. Uh, Voight Tanufi uh, is having a great year, and uh Kuo, I, I, I hey, a butcher. But, yeah. Hey,
1: we'll <laughs> uh, Ope
0: They got him back, and he seems to have made a difference. Um, I'm expecting this to be a short game because both teams run in the ball. Can Washington stop Arizona State's run this afternoon?
1: Uh. It isn't just on the defensive line. It isn't just on the linebackers. It's on the safeties and how are the quarterback or how are the coaches going to play them? Is with Jimmy off the sidelines? Is Bob Gregory going to bring up the safeties into the box more? You, you better, st- you better figure out a way to stop Rashad White and what Demonte. Is it Trayanum? I, I can't. I've never Tranum. been able to pronounce yeah. I just yeah. called
2: Tri- Chip Trayanum.
1: Yeah. So and uh, and then Jaden McDaniels or Jaden Daniels is the is the is a really good runner too, and you know and then you got Daniel Nagata who who Washington fans should be very familiar with. Huskies were very involved with his recruitment and his brother was on the team uh, for a while. So um, you <laughs> Washington has to stop the run and because I mean Jaden Daniels I, I was looking at his totals. As a freshman, he threw for 17 touchdowns and two interceptions. He's at 17. He's at seven interceptions and seven touchdowns so far this season. That is insane. That is insanely bad. He's completing 67.3 of his passes and he's going for 8.4 yards per attempt. So that's both are good numbers. He's just not getting the. He's not making touchdowns because when they get in the red zone, they're running the ball. And Washington's going to have to stop the run and maybe they can get a pick or two from Daniels, who I think is throwing the ball up for grabs a little bit more
0: stack the box.
1: Yep. Got to do it.
0: We haven't seen them do that yet this year though. Have we really?
1: No. I mean, they've had guys creeping down a little bit more at different times, but yeah, for the most part, Washington has not, has not moved uh, their safeties down to, to help stop the run. And I think that's something, and I mean, Asa Turner is terrible at tackling. He's not a physical player and he's not, He's not the best against the run. Cam David, or I'm sorry, Cam uh, Williams, Williams looked horrible last week. Um, you know they, he, you know, but uh, you know one of the big reasons why, um, uh, you know, th- some of these guys were were brought in is because they were single. You know, they were guys who could. Who could who could play and who could who could come down and stop the run and they're not able to do it. That's why I think we need to see more of. And I'm drawn a blank. I don't know why I'm drawn a blank on the guy who moved from corner to safety. And I'm totally drawn a blank. What's Dominic his name? Camp. Dominic Hampton. Dominic Camp. So Dominic Hampton, he needs to be in there and playing. He needs. He's a physical presence and he's a good tackler. Bring him in. Bookie Radley Hiles. He's a good tackler. He should be in the box. Those guys should be running around, roaming free, and filling lanes. And until that happens, we're not going to see Washington have much success, even with Carson Bruner playing well. And I thought last week that Jackson Sermon had one of his best games as a Husky. He was playing aggressive football. He was filling the lane. He wasn't over-pursuing. He was taking good angles. And Washington was was finding some success and stopping the run at different times. And then all of a sudden, they— Oregon switches up some of their blocking schemes and just traps, 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 and and Washington has no answer for it.
0: How does all this impact recruiting and nice win for the hoops teams last night? So uh, we'll touch bases on that. On Thursday
1: night, yep, on Thursday.
0: Yeah, we'll touch bases uh, with that and more when we return. It's the guys from dogman.com on Dogman Radio. Welcome back. I'm Kim Reynolds along with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, and uh, 4 o'clock kickoff today at Husky Stadium against Arizona State. But, Scott, with everything that's going on with the program, with the suspension of Jimmy Lake, program a little bit in turmoil. Recruiting wasn't going that well before all this went down. What can people expect to see on recruiting over the next week or two?
1: Not a lot. (laughs) I mean, you're going to – I mean, if Jimmy Lake is actually let go – you're probably going to have to get used to the fact that some of the guys on Washington's commit list are not going to stay committed. Um, you know, maybe some of that's good. Maybe some of that's bad. I don't know. Uh, the two guys that, that, you know, Washington really, really needs to keep in the fold are guys who who have been pretty locked in for quite a while. And that is uh, Jeremy Bernard and Ryan Otten. Both of those guys are very locked into things and I don't see that changing Bernard has a strong relationship with Junior Adams. And that could be a key. If, if Junior Adams is retained by the by the incoming coaching staff, if Jimmy Lake is fired, that's good. Vega Ijuane, I don't see him going anywhere else. Chance Bogan isn't going to go anywhere else. Denzel Boston isn't going anywhere else. Jackson Stratton, eh, I don't know. I don't know. I need to talk to him a little bit more. He was fine with his OC getting fired, but the guy that he talked to was? Jimmy Lake. So is that going to, is he going to stay committed? You know, I, Parker Brailsford, it's hard to tell. I know that he has a great relationship with Scott Huff, but if Scott Huff isn't retained, is he going to stick around? Who knows? Lance Holtzclaw, I'm not sold. He's going to stick around. TJ Hall, I'm not sold. He's going to stick around. And, uh, you know, that's kind of your, that's kind of your class right there. Washington only has nine guys in the class currently right now.
0: Big recruiting weekend is usually scheduled for what, around the 15th of December, Scott?
1: The first weekend. So the 15th is signing day this year. So it would be the, I think it's the 10th, 11th, 12th.
0: How important is it to get a coach named before that? I mean, ideally the situation, how soon do you want somebody named oh, you'd to? At,
1: as fast as you can, but you got the the biggest key is finding the right guy. That I mean, that has to be the guy if 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 you have to take another week and miss that weekend of recruiting, then that's just what it is. I I have to believe that Jen uh, Cohen has a sense of urgency. She's going to have three weeks to get this coaching search done and and find her guy. And um, the problem is, let's say it's a guy I I don't want to start going through a coaching list, but let's say it's a guy like Todd Monken, right from Georgia. When is he coming up to the University of Washington? You think he's coming up before January eighth? Yeah, probably not, because George is probably battling for a national title, and he's not going to bail on them in a national title run. So if it's Todd Munkin, uh oh, you're not you're not getting anything recruiting wise until after that. Um, if it's if it's another coach who's who's got aspirations of possibly going to the playoffs, if you you know an assistant coach or anything like that. That's going to be an issue. So um, just realize that, you know, you might find the guy, but he might not be here until early January. And that's not a good situation from a recruiting standpoint.
0: The next three game well, the next two home games left, um, you know, uh, this afternoon and then the Apple Cup. Will we see any recruits on campus? Well, we, we have any officials? No
1: officials. No officials. I don't expect any official visits. Yeah. Nope. So they, they were only going to have two for the Arizona State game tonight, and then they were going to have um, a bunch of official visitors. Oh, I'm sorry, unofficial visitors for the holiday weekend for the Apple Cup. But um, I think that's it's just going to be unofficial visitors who will be on campus, and even then, I don't I don't know how many are going to actually come because. It's it's tough right now. It's tough around the it's tough around the the campus right now.
2: Hey Scott, I know this has been brought up on the message boards and I and I don't want you to actually name names because I don't think that's necessarily fair. And that would be jumping way ahead. But what would you kind of gauge the number at in terms of depending on who comes in and becomes the new head coach? If we're going down this this, you know, row of dominoes, how many guys that might end up getting dropped that are currently committed? dropped uh well because it's because it happens
1: yeah um i could see one or two okay i could see one or two but because they could be getting such a late start and because there might not be anybody else out there that they like more maybe they stick with them i don't know but yeah i could see two
2: and then there's also guys that might just want to take another look on their own
1: absolutely wouldn't necessarily get dropped
2: but they may i think
1: that's more i think that would be more the case than the than being dropped yeah Yeah.
2: Hoops team,
0: nice win on Thursday night over Northern Arizona. I know it was still only Northern Arizona, but uh, after the opening loss, what you're looking at is for the team to get better. And Chris, I thought there were signs of improvement and they definitely did some things better. Just uh, your thoughts on what you saw on Thursday night from the Hoops team.
2: Yeah, I think it's just a continued evolution in terms of Hopkins trying to figure out what these guys do well, what they don't necessarily do well yet, what they need to keep coaching. Um, you know, cause it is still a very, very brand new group, um, of, of individuals that they're trying to kind of, you know, coalesce into a team. Um, uh, we saw a lot of mixing and mashing of zone and, and going smaller with man to try to identify three point shooters. And I think they did a pretty good job of that in the second half. But, uh, you know, offense is going to be a struggle this year. It's just, I think they were, they did a good job of being aggressive. Um, I'm still seeing, you know, like Jamal Bay, for instance, he's got a lot of open looks that he's deferring right now. And, um, and yes, he's trying to drive, which I think is good. You got to stay aggressive Um, teams that they've played. They've only played two games right now, but those teams have, they've been able to get into the bonus and double bonus, like really early in halves. So they've, they've done a pretty good job of making that pay in terms of getting to the line, but then they've got to make their free throws. They haven't done a, a very good job of that yet.
1: Woeful. Uh, Ugh.
2: Yeah, it's, it hasn't been great. But, but the thing is that the bones are there. They're doing the right things to put themselves in positions, but now they got to execute. Um, the shooting was a little bit better from outside on Thursday night. It wasn't fantastic, but it was better. So, I'm, again, I'm seeing little – I'm seeing baby steps, and I know a lot of fans are gonna sit there and go, well, yeah, northern Arizona got blown out by Arizona and that kind of thing. Don't compare. It's it's not comparable right now. Though they literally, we're one or two games into the season. It's just not a basis for comparison. You have to if you're gonna compare anything, you're gonna compare northern Illinois and northern Arizona and and how they were able to to make some in-game adjustments that really helped them to extend a little bit in the second half and then kind of hold them off eventually. And, you know, like Hopkins said after the game, you know, they made some game-winning plays, especially on defense. Guys like P.J. Fuller really stepped up. Jackson Grant had a a really good game where he was – I think he had like seven points and four blocks. Um, He's become a real presence on the defensive end in terms of being a rim protector, which is great to see. Um, but they've got to, you know, they got to keep it going. They've they've still got to get more out of guys like Dejon Davis and Bay and some of these other guys. And and they'll get it. They're they're veteran guys. They're experienced guys. They'll get it. They'll get into the season. They'll get into a rhythm. But I I saw I saw little improvements, Kim.
0: Yeah, and I think Mike Hopkins said it best after the game. It's kind of like having a new dance partner, and at times you look amazing, and other times you're just stepping on each other's toes because you're still trying to figure out where you're going. And I saw a lot of that uh, on Thursday night. But, um, you know, the one thing that hasn't waned, um, the effort has been there. You know, um, they're playing hard Um, and there's no excuse for not playing hard. And I know you don't want to hear this about last year's team. But, you know, when they went on their little bit of a run, it wasn't at the beginning of the year. It took them a little bit of time to get used to each other. And I think we're seeing some of that. And I think the key factor right now uh, the thing that's going to make this team go. And we just haven't seen it yet. Uh, Dejon Davis is a lot better than what you're seeing out of him right now. I still don't think he's 100% from, uh, you know, having his knee cleaned up. And I expect him to come on. I think he's going to get stronger. I think he's going to get more uh, used to his guys. And Dejon Davis is a really, really good player. We just haven't seen that yet. So I think that's something to look forward because if you're going to say what you see is what you're going to get out of Dejon Davis, I don't buy that at all. I don't buy that at all at Jamal Bay. I think it, Did he lead the Pac-10, Pac-12 last year in three-point percentage?
2: Yes. He, he, he did, but it's, that's what kind of makes it a little bit alarming that he's deferring the, the shots that are open, that are well, available just, to him.
0: Yeah, we just haven't seen it yet, and I expect that to come along. I really like the play of Uh, Terrell Brown uh, I think he's the toughness of this team Um, Emmett Matthews I think had a huge game he's just all over the place and um, you know brings a a lot of energy to the team as uh, you mentioned earlier PJ Fuller had an outstanding game defensively and you know made uh, some game-winning plays on the defensive end and I think Jackson Grant, and I said this before the uh, start of the season, I think he's just going to continue to get better and better and better. And, uh, you know, the thing that we saw also Thursday night on uh, Monday night, or was it Tuesday night, Tuesday night, Nate Roberts had 19 rebounds, but uh, Nate kind of uh, struggled last night with different things. I'll just tell you a quick story. I was talking to Will Conroy a little bit and. Um, I don't know if you guys have figured out, but uh, Bill Walton is probably the world's biggest fan of Nate Roberts. And uh, Will said that, um, you know, Bill Walton called him over and Conroy, Conroy, why isn't Nate Roberts the best player in the world? (laughs) Will kind of looks at him and he, best player in the world? Really? He goes, anybody who has that kind of a body should be the best player in the world. And when you look at Nate, he sure passes the look test because he's a big dude. So hopefully we see an improvement out of Nate on Monday because I think he's got the uh, ability on the defensive end, but uh, he's going to struggle on the offensive end.
2: So Well, again, he he made a ton of plays to put himself in position to to make the bunnies, to make the lay-ins, to, to get a, a favorable, you know, bounce on the rim and it just never came. And I would imagine he was beyond frustrated after the game uh, on Thursday night. So yeah, it's just, <laughs> he just got to stick to it because he's he's getting 95% of the way there, and it's not very not very far to finish off what he's what he's doing at this point. And his his post game and his inside moves are coming. Um, they're far from polished, but they're coming, and he's doing all the right things to get there. And so that's why, again, I think there were little shoots uh, of growth. And and Hop even said that you know you look at at Matthews and he gets come goes for 21. Um, Terrell Brown is obviously capable of leading the team at scoring at any time. Dejon Davis is going to do it. Bay is going to do it. It's going to be different guys on different nights. And I think that's going to frustrate fans in a lot of ways because it's going to harken back to what they had to do last year. They had to find a guy that would step up and make a play here and there. I think the difference between last year and this year is that there is a lot of veteran leadership. And I agree 100%, Kim. I don't think we're seeing anywhere uh, close to what we're we're going to see down the road from dejon Davis. He's a proven qu- uh, quantity. I mean, he's a proven scorer. He's a proven player at the Pac-12 level. So he'll come good. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, just the the consistency from Bay is something that's got to it's got to be driving hop up a wall because he he shows sometimes where he's just. He he can be the most explosive guy on the floor. He can be the best scorer on the floor. He can be instant offense, and then he can also just completely ghost the game and just go completely invisible. So I, you know, yeah. what what version of Jamal Bay shows up is going to be huge um, from game to game. But I think the nucleus of players that they have is pretty strong right now, and they're only going to get better, and the, and they're only going to want to play for each other more and more. You know, if for no other reason than they're all pretty local and they and they want to play for the home team and they want to play for the for the two oh six.
0: Four o'clock kickoff today, Scott, against Arizona State. Wrap it up for us.
1: Uh, you know, just gonna be interesting to see what happens. I mean, people need to go in with very low expectations over the next three weeks. Um, if they win, great. Just hope you see some excitement from these kids and and honestly you should be rooting for the kids more than you should be rooting for losses and things like that. There's some people who are rooting for losses. I'm assuming that's over with now that it looks like Jimmy's probably out the door. So, um, But, uh, yeah, I I, I got to believe that Washington's going to come out and, and try their best. And, and But if things start going wrong, it could go ro- south real quick. I hope not. Um, I think Washington's going to have to run the ball, and they got to stop the run. It's kind of the theme of the entire season. Um, and if they can do those things, I think, I think they've got a good chance of getting a win, but I just don't see it happening. Final thoughts, Chris Fetters.
2: Yeah, I think with with things trending the way they're going, um, there's really you know two main things that they still have uh, everything to play for and that's winning the apple Cup and that's becoming bowl eligible. So there's still a lot on the table for this team. and I really hope that that the events of the last week is, maybe allow them to kind of free up and just kind of take this as a free roll and just go for broke and just, you know what, let's, let's play Sam Heward. Let's go vertical. Let's go, let's go explosive. Let's try to spread, let's try to spread Arizona state out a little bit and get the, get the ball in the playmakers hands and see what they can do. And then defensively focus on the run, focus on stopping Rashad white and chip Tranum and, uh, and, and Jaden Daniels as a runner force him to throw, and Scott already kind of laid out why Daniels is having a poor season throwing the ball, make them one dimensional, you know, make them, you know, be that, that guy he doesn't want to be right now. And if they can do that, they've got a, they've got a fighting chance. Um, It's going to be a slog. You know, it's the worst thing in the world you can have when you're a defense is to give up a 200 yard rusher and know that a 200 yard rusher is coming right down your throat the next week. And that's exactly what's happening for Washington. So, They'll either accept the challenge and bow up and and face it and 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 stop them, or it could be a real long night. And you know, uh, Kim, you talked about how you expected it to be a short night because of of all the running. Well, when you have a Pac-12 refereeing crew that um, does reviews for plays that aren't reviewable and then comes out and tells you they couldn't review it, uh, this could still be a long night. And, I, your- and I think and I think it's going to probably end up being a long night. Because um, Washington hasn't shown anything, as far as I'm concerned, that tells me they're going to be able to stop Arizona State's running game. Over-under for reviews today, Scott?
1: Oh, geez. Um, three.
0: What's yours, over-under? <laughs> oh, six, seven. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. Yeah, double. <laughs> All right. Uh, just a reminder, you know, uh, it's going to be a busy day. Um Sunday and Monday and uh, with a later game you know we're not going to get in till midnight and then we're going to have to be hitting it real early Sunday morning and for those who aren't subscribers uh, right now to the site we're running a 60% off special and no better time to subscribe trust me we will be all over everything on Sunday as we were last Sunday Uh, we were right on the money with what was going to happen and uh, we'll expect that to be truth on Sunday as well you're not going to get any more insight than you will with us at dogman.com. And if you're just looking at the front page and you're just not seeing what you want to see, the good stuff is on the hardcore football board. That's where you're going to see a lot of the insight. So, uh, you know, it, it's a good time. Any is subscribe. And, uh, I think if you go out there, you're going to be hooked. Uh, also, if you're looking for those daily updates, as well as breaking news alerts, shoot us a note, Husky stadium at gmail.com. We will get you hooked up. So, hunker down guys it's going to be a busy couple of days so uh it's going to be fun so for all of us at dogman.com i'm kim Grenolds along with chris fetters and scott eckland go dogs